Hello, lab rats. It's Igor after a bit of a time frame where I've been away in, in Monster Masters classes. So I thought we would get together with Queen V and, as she mentioned before, talk about the Durst saga, his conviction, and what's been building up to that. Welcome, Queen V. Welcome. I don't know why I was going to say welcome. Uh, welcome, Igor. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, Lab Rats. Yes. Uh, so we were just talking off air about how we don't really have a structure other than we're just going to do this and see where it takes us, which is a great thing for you to be invited to, isn't it? I watched the Jinx and the watch the movie All Good Things with my boyfriend, Ryan Gosling, her boyfriend. What's his real name? Ron I Swanson. I don't remember. It's just, it, Ron Swanson. That's not his real name. And she also read, what book was it? He Killed Them All. Oh, which is, if you've listened and watched the Jinx, the very end. So if I'm ruining it for you, too bad. It's been out for six years. <laughs> I did also watch the Jinx as well. Oh, cool. So... Is that where you want to start? I have the outline from watchingdocumentaries.com. Obviously, it's free. And I was excited because everywhere wanted me to take my monies. And I wasn't down with that. So it has six parts. We can kind of go through. I've got them before me listed each title. If you want to start there, we can kind of go through that. How would you like to proceed? That's fine. If you just want to go through, just start going through the uh, the episodes. Okay. And as most of you know, if you've listened previously, I did an update on the Robert Durst conviction when it first happened. God, it feels like forever ago at this point. But when I was watching the jinx, it really put things in perspective again, because it's been a while. The first episode is titled A Body in the Bay. And this has to do with them finding Morris Black, his roommate. Well, it wasn't a roommate, his neighbor. When uh, Durst, as you may or may not know, decided to flee New York when they were reopening the case against him, or there was a lot of conjecture that they would against him for his first wife, Kathy Durst. Kathy McCormick is how she's going by. Well, her family is uh, referring to her. So he decided to be incognito and literally incommunicado. He, uh, what was his name? Do you remember? Uh, it was uh, Miss Siner, um, Dorothy Siner. There we go. And his I, wife, sorry, you, you, you actually didn't finish your sentence. Oh, I'm sorry. His wife disappeared, in case you don't know about it. Yes. His, his wife, wife had disappeared. Yes. And, and they never found her body or anything. But um, it, the case was talking about being reopened in case something, it was foul play. So he was fleeing, and then he pretended to be this woman named Dorothy Sider. Who, right, a woman and a deaf mute. A mute, and then, just a mute. Yes. Yeah, just a mute, sorry. So his, uh, but according to the jinx, he says that he eventually became comfortable and friends with Morris Black, and Morris Black, he says, didn't judge him. Thoughts on that, or? Well, it's also important to, important to point out that Morris Black was also apparently a t cantankerous old man that he was a type that would like purposely go out of his way to yell at people and was cranky and 
So that that is kind of interesting that which in a way I if they were friendly, I could see if you're the grumpy old man, then maybe you would get somebody wanting to be away from society. Like if he says, hey, I just don't want to be me anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see him being like, well, yeah, who the fuck wants to be in society like that? On the other hand, if he's a grumpy old man, do you really think he's going to understand? I-, I don't know. Like the thing is, the thing about that, though, is that later they do say they ne- they he claimed Durst claimed they would go have coffee together. Right. And they'd go out together places. And well, when the cops went, that, right? nobody, nobody at any coffee right. shops or anything ever saw them together. So I think it's hooey is what I think. Yeah. He was trying to build something up. And what's and- interesting is it, it turns out that that name, Dorothy Siner, was a girl that he went to high school or college with. Yes. Isn't that so interesting? Yeah. And I also, back to the Kane Tankerous angle for um, Morris Black. Look at his picture. If you've not seen it, that's all you need to know. Really. His picture just paints him. You, he just, he couldn't, you can't imagine someone that, like that smiling. His picture's worth a million words. <laughs> um, anything else about uh, a body in the bay is just really talking and setting the stage for um, how things came about and really kind of broke open. Wouldn't you agree that that's why they started there? Yes. Yeah. Because it's so, and I think it really points out how bizarre Fred, uh, <laughs> I did it. Start to say Fred, Fred Durst. Durst. Yep. Um, Robert Durst was, I mean, because the whole, the whole thing is like, he, he fled and the best disguise he figured is to just look different than how he looked. And he's like, well, I, c- I can't grow a beard overnight. So you're so he's like I'll put on a wig and I'll be a woman now uh, supposedly he never bought a dress he says he only got like a woman's blouse and would wear one's blouse in this wig and he pretended to be mute because he couldn't sound like a woman so it actually like when you first hear it, you're like mm-hmm. what the fuck it sounds completely bizarre like why would he be a mute woman but it actually makes sense if you you know like if I decide that I want to try to be a man that I don't know that I could make my voice deep enough to be a convincing man. And this wasn't in a time period where there was much like transsexuality and, mm-hmm. you know, so like now it, these days it wouldn't really matter <laughs> as much because people have gender reassignment surgery and things like that. So we don't look as differently as at people who maybe don't sound like they look to us or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in that time period, that made sense to him, you know. Well, and- he also says that, I was thinking, he was saying, I was thinking that how, if I, anything associated with Robert Durst is going to get attention. So how can I go outside of that? Put on a wig, you know, don't talk. And now I find it interesting that he didn't, that he doesn't, he's very, makes it very clear in the trial in court that, oh, I never got a dress because that would be right. odd. So I, I found that right. weird. But again, like you were saying, and also he is from that generation that, I mean, that, well, that you would really can weird It's to... weird to even try to yeah. put him in that box because he is so outside of, of everything. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, just a quick, because I, I do have notes here that, so when he ran, and the interesting thing too is he, was apparently still traveling 
because the landlord said that like there were yeah. blocks of time when no one was there and but the, he always paid the rent and he right. you know and or she because the landlord right. thought it was well you know what i mean i don't know if the landlord I don't completely know how much they believed were, yeah, it but anybody, he had a tenant but that was yeah he had a tenant that was paying and wasn't there half the time but mm -hmm. so he used aliases including morris blacks after morris after Black the had death been, right uh, the murder. yes after right so the reason that he got arrested is because he tried to steal he tried to steal a sandwich so that's right million, yeah he's worth i looked a hundred million dollars he okay? had like five hundred dollars in his pocket yeah and i think there was thirty eight thousand dollars in the car yes and he steals what do you think that's about i, I think oh, well, he he addresses it, it later yeah. he says basically and i believe that his quote was i'm an asshole <laughs> because he was talking Three. to his wife and yeah and he said the thing is is he was known to be a cheapskate and we'll get more into that but he said it's because in his brain he's like i'm not going to spend more than 200 dollars in a day and so I he can, was near i can that easily do that as well <laughs> <laughs> so he was near that and so he thought well if i can get away with steal it was like nine dollars and 23 cents worth of things and so apparently he tried to steal the sandwich because he was being a fucking cheapskate. Being a cheapskate got him caught. They also introduced in this episode that um, his brother had hired bodyguards because he was supposed to be, because he was worried that Robert would come after him. Right. Because he became the heir to everything instead of Robert. Yes. And I did notice in this episode, he's talking to his wife while he's in jail and he's supposed to, supposed to go on trial, and of course it would be on cameras. And he's talking with her like, I don't know how much I'm supposed to look. And I quote, "Yes, am I supposed to be smiling? Am I supposed to be grim? Now, if that is not like a sociopath's question, yes. I don't know what is. Why the fuck would you be smiling when you're about to get go on trial for a murder for dismembering and somebody why things. would you be smiling what the two, fuck exactly well two things that i think of first it makes me think of when they're in, when he's talking and i forget which episode it was about kathy's family and you know how he was didn't like to talk and his mom you know like his her brother was trying to get into the uh, stock and things of that nature and he would so he would he was impressed by you know, Bob Durst's family and their empire. So he obviously wanted to talk to him and bond with his, you know, brother-in-law and he would have nothing to do with it. He changed the subject. He was, um, his, um, her mom, Kathy's mom was really into canning. So she right. wanted to talk to him about that. And he was so like almost offended. And he said, look, I can't do those things. I can't remember exact the exact phrase, but basically he was like, I can't blend in. It may have been something along the lines of, I can't talk to a regular working class mm. family. I, right. I can't. And so I don't want these mundane things bogging down mm. my mind and my time. And he just was like, like Kathy should have gotten away with me, gotten away from me, had kids, been with a working class dude. Mm. And so that's the first thing I thought of is that he's mm. just so, so outside of everything. Yeah, Talk that he doesn't know a how loner. To... I mean, he doesn't right. fit into his family. He doesn't fit, he just doesn't fit in really to society. Second thing, the big thing that I took away from the jinx surprisingly to me is his second wife deborah lee Sheridan, 
oh my god like i said i did not know he had a second wife and she came across as wow she was telling him mm-hmm. i was surprised at how much in charge he let her be mm-hmm. given how controlling he was always said to be with kathy mm-hmm. what were your thoughts on her well i think that basically the reason that he married her is so he could put his trust in her name as his wife right she, she he had made the her power, power of attorney. attorney right so that way no matter what happened to him she would have control of the money so he would be able to so knowing that she was shrewd and had strong opinions that i think that it's it's that he felt even though she was so strongly opinionated i think he knew that he could trust her with his trust you know and that it, that she, that he would be able to rely on her and that she wouldn't be like i i don't think she would try to take the money or she would use the money you well, know and and I, I don't know i found it interesting because i was like okay so why aren't they probing into her why aren't they get you know what i mean they showed some things from a deposition i guess but they mm-hmm. but um jarecki as he calls himself andrew jarecki the director of the jinx he doesn't probe into that so i was looking into her she's a real estate mogul in her own right mm-hmm. and so their family ran in the same circles so much like susan berman and him they have a certain connection that not everybody can um right. can find and also she was uh, looked at for bigamy charges because she was purporting to be married to a yes. former attorney of durs so they were saying well you know she was living in and when her uh quote-unquote husband not robert durst died he they put in there that they were man and wife in his obituary so she is not stupid but she's like living two lives it was very apparent because she would when on the in the deposition when the attorney was asking her about where she was and where she was if they were never together she, she talked more like she was her his business partner didn't you think or yes well and i think that's the, that's the key though there is that she wasn't mousy he didn't have to worry that she might say the wrong thing or not know what to say she knew how to avoid questions so when they're like oh what did you do there well i wasn't there was i so she understands she doesn't have to say shit that she can she can kind of answer things and her lawyer i don't know if you heard the lawyer like say something right and and you know so she she was savvy and i think that's the biggest reason he felt that he could trust her is because she could play the system and he didn't have to worry and yeah she bossed him around but but yeah and i think that's a great great um comparison is he was buddies with susan so i think it's a similar thing because susan understood that from her mob from her mob family ties right they understand from growing up and and so she was very loyal he knows how to pick them there out of their loyalty however they're also i was looking at something and i forget what they what the exact um allegation or kind of uh side note there was that maybe uh she is in it a bit for the money as far as his second wife and i'll have to see i'll have to think about but do you did you read anything about that Um, because they were kind of alluding to something well i mean she claimed to be married to him and she was living with another man right and you know but she was still 
technically married to Robert, but she was actively and she would claim to be the wife of this guy that she was living with. So I think it's obvious she was just in it because it was a, it was a partnership. It wasn't like a love partnership. There was no love. It was business. Right. So business wise, she was married to him. And so, yeah, I think she definitely was in it for the money and for whatever, just the the business proposition of it. I just find her. that interesting because she yeah. is, you know, she is a woman who has success in her own life and on her own. So, but like you said, she's pretty savvy to keep aligning herself and keeping that in there because we don't know how much she's made from it because they actually, Durst, uh, Robert settled with his family. Yeah, it was for like maybe he gave million. some to his uh, stepson Fred, but uh, you know Fred Durst. Anyway, that was for oh. you. <laughs> you didn't catch it, but it was for you. No, I'm so that the the he he sued his family mm-hmm. for his part of the fortune because they were backing away from him, of course, mm-hmm. and he ended up getting like sixty five million dollars, mm-hmm. which is like four million a year or something crazy, and he's almost gone. I mean, the man is. He looks like hell. And really, in, in some ways, can you really have too much money with some people? If that's your thing, then even, if you, all even if you have that. No, but I'm saying like from her perspective. Right. Is, yeah, maybe I have my own big bank account, but is it really going to hurt me to get a bigger bank account? Right. Is it I'm really going to hurt work. her? Yeah. And if she's on the Durst side, let's say they reconcile. Maybe she's, you know, she's in good with the Durst. And if they don't reconcile, she's still got that trust. You know, because she's still his wife. And mm-hmm. if, you know, so, um, yeah. So I guess we can go ahead and, and move forward since. Okay. Then we have the poor little rich boy is the second episode. And that basically is exactly what it sounds like. They're talking about, they they interview Mark DeGarren, his attorney, saying, oh, I really felt sorry for him because, you know, his, his mother uh, took her own life and by jumping off their house and they show a clip of it which apparently isn't accurate because there were uh, they don't they just show it like it's just some night and they're alone and he wakes up bob and says oh say goodbye to mommy and then he waves to her because he didn't know what's going on and then she jumps and and it's covered up basically i mean they do call the police and everything but they say it's an accident well looking into it more there was a people editor that wrote a book and he says that he went by the true accounts from the fire and the police reports, and it was a it was a big mess of a scene. So you know that was a discrepancy as well. Yeah, and the whole story about him, his dad having him wave to his mom, and that is Robert's testimony. Yep. No one else saw that. Yep. You know. So that is another thing where I think he's probably making that up. Control the narrative. Yeah, exactly. So that's like because no one else said, oh, and then they, and then I saw him take, you know what I mean? No one else corroborated that. So I think that's just part of the fantasy that he created to make himself look like poor little rich boy. And also to uh, to kind of set up for, yeah, because he was uh, he went to a psychiatrist after that and he admits that he was a really messed up kid. And you can imagine why if he's, if his father was cold, his father never talked to him about it, of course, and was gone a lot. And so Bob said he ran away a lot when he was little and we're talking like eight, nine, you know, somewhere around there. And then he was, they, what they didn't say in this episode is that he went to a psychiatrist Mm. and they deemed him as like 
pretty much irreparably damaged and nothing was addressed mm -hmm. for that. Now, I don't, I don't know in that time frame how, what they would have done, especially with the, the system of quote unquote mental health facilities there and especially being rich, but his father didn't, it wasn't addressed by the family. Right, right. And I do believe that the family, because obviously, um, yeah, the family was pretty much silent about everything all the time. So I can see him not talking about, I don't think that it would be extra traumatic to see, to wave to your mommy as she's on the roof. So, but I don't think he needed that to even be in there because his mom, like he grew up thinking, knowing that his mom died. And, right. you know, when he got to a certain age, he understood that she probably killed herself, mm -hmm. you know, and always having that in the back of your mind is that's going to mess you up if your mom dies, whether she's killed or, you know, it's just, he already had a lot going on. And so I can believe that he probably was a troubled child, mm -hmm. you know, um, but basically, they all... they... go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, basically they were just setting it up and you're probably going to mm -hmm. say, you know, piggyback off that, but basically, of course they set that up and then how he was always misunderstood, but they were really trying to show him, look, you know, like Mark DeGaren said, he has feelings when he was arrested, uh, you know, after, after the Morris Black incident, we'll call it murder. Uh, he had pictures of him and Kathy and pictures of him as a child. And doesn't this show, I think he was just trying to connect, you know, show or connect emotionally somehow say, yes. these are parts of my life. And I don't really think it was a connection because he never says it really hurt. This really, this is, and he, it mentions no feelings. Well, I think it was almost like pictures of his life to remind him but I don't know of what, because he doesn't well, feel. And in the book, Janine kind of goes into that. Um, Janine Pirro, uh, I'm not sure it's Pyro Pirro. Mm -hmm. um, she mentions that in one of the, in the trial, that they start with that, like, oh, you know, he had this, or this is him mm -hmm. growing up. And she's like, is this fucking, is this your life? What does this have to do with anything? Right. And that's what she thought, is all they'll mention, oh, so his mom died when he, he was a kid. So this made him, this is why he did this act, but they never tied it. No. It was like, they're just throwing, and it was really, she's like, just because he had pictures in his car, why was he carrying those pictures around? Like he didn't right. have, you know, and it's almost like he put them there because he knew that they would be, they would cause like empathy or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, it's, and yeah, he doesn't really have feelings, you know, it's. It's weird because he seems calculated in some mm -hmm. points across the series, but then at the end, when, um, spoiler alert, at the end, in the last episode, What the Hell Did I Do?, it, it, it's a perfect uh, title because Annie says the infamous line, kill them all. And that's where it pretty much ends. And it's a hot mic. He's done it before in a previous episode. And they're like, hey, that's a hot mic. We can hear it. We heard everything you whispered under your breath. And he did it again. I think, and yeah, because so it's like he's it's like he he wants to try to control the narrative, but he's not smart enough or he's not connected enough with society to understand what that means and why I was asking this questions of his wife but yet he seems calculated in some things like how he made the he knew enough to connect or to be a smart ass in his uh in some of the trials and make comments and make them laugh like people laughed about him not getting addressed people laughed about certain things when he referred to it instead of being like this dude is fucked 
Right. And that's the, the, the key is that he, there is a moment towards the end of the book where um, a psychiatrist or somebody is talking mm-hmm. about how it's probably like he's floating around in his own head and it's not, there's, it's not like things are grounded and totally connected. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he can, he can operate on a certain level where he, like you said, he can be calculating, he can function, but there's some levels where he's not grounded. So they have this, they keep talking about how he mumbles to himself and yeah. he would, he was known for doing that. Everybody was like, yeah, he would sometimes just mumble to himself. And we saw that. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is it's almost like he, for, he forgets that he needs to have an inner monologue. And did you hear the thing about the burping in the last episode? Yeah. Um, and did, did you hear the larger point that came out in the trial that ended up convicting him? Not the burping didn't, but it didn't help. He's they actually ask him. They went in this whole diatribe in the trial about the burping. And he says he does it when he's nervous, blah, blah, blah. And that's why he made such a he was mumbling to himself and was frustrated and upset because he's he knows and people that know him know what that means. And so he's like with the burping, but they actually have a full thing in court to talk in length about his burping. Uh, you know, at an opportune times and what that meant. And I just, I found that fascinating and odd. Well, the way that they, they referred to it in that I saw was they almost like tried to write it off. Like, oh, he would just belch and fart in public. That was just him. Like, like he just wouldn't know, think about it. It was like, he was accenting his sentence. Like he just, and he would like urinate in public. So in the book, wow. they, they almost try to make it sound like, oh, well, the belching didn't mean anything because he would just belch in, in company. So it's funny that, you know, that they made that that was it came out that way when they were trying to make it sound like, oh, it's just something he did, you know. So yeah, and this funny. is saying um, I was looking up to see if I could find something more just now. And it says from the cut. What the Jinx reveals about body lies, about lies and body language and body lies. Listen, so about lies and body language and when he was blinking, uh, even Mm. repetitive burping. So that kind of thing. And I just found that like kind of like gross, but yet mm, it but that's so him. You look at the ticks and the you know what I mean? And he's just so. I don't know. I, 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 I think of a word for it eventually here, but wow. Well, and then I thought of the episode of Seinfeld when they're talking about relationship, when you're talking about a relationship Mm -hmm. and how high on your head you touch yourself is how bad it is. So if it's, you know, if you like touch your chin, it's, it's okay. It could be better. You know, if you touch your nose, then it's, you know, not great. But then if you like touch the top of your head, it's like, I got to get out of this. And there was a moment or two, you know, he kept like touching his face yeah. And there's a moment when he did touch his head, you know, and I just thought of that, like, hmm, you know, it's, it is kind of uh, interesting and telling. And um, I just looked up from the salon.com that says the jinx, Robert Durst's infamous confession did not happen the way viewers heard it. The burp adjacent quote that the series presented as a bombshell is now under scrutiny as Durst faces trial. So the whole, this is what, why it was even brought up, which is just, I mean, like I said, for body well, language, it fits in. Yeah, we can, uh, we can get into that when we get to the last episode, I think, because we're kind of jumping around. I know that the thing series jumps around, but if we're going episode by episode, um, 
we'll get into that sure, here in a I'll bit. I'll leave this up and I will go back. Um, Do you want to uh, so, say anything more about the uh, poor little rich boy? Anything, yeah. any of the points? Mm -hmm. So basically, they, in the first episode, they talk about how this body washed, these body parts washed up, which was not the head, which the head yes. never was found. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got that. We talk, they talk about him dressing as a mute woman. Um, so in this one, they do also go through the steps of what the supposed last day was like, what he said the last day he saw her was like. Mm -hmm. And that that's important because that's what, you know, they'll go through and dissect in the coming episodes. And so the, the timeline was basically like, yeah, okay, so basically it was like they, she went to a friend's house came home, had dinner with him. They had an argument, so she left. He says he dropped her off at a train, and then he spoke to her at 11.15 p.m. He called her from a payphone when he was walking his dog. She answered and said she was fine. Now, and just, to clarify, to just to clarify for people, they were at their Salem home. Thank you. And she was like, I got to get back for school, you know, because she was in med school, her final year, mind you, of med school. And she said, look, you know, I want to go, I want to go back to our home in the city. Manhattan. Right. Yeah. And he didn't want to. And he says when she got back from this, from her friend's dinner party, um, that she was drunk she was loaded and you know and so i she tried to take the car and i took the keys from her and instead i drove her to the train right exactly thank you um they also mentioned that in kathy's diary she mentioned how he slapped and punched her mm -hmm. and that um it was noted that after she had gone missing people saw him throwing away her things and her friends actually went dumpster diving and would follow yes. him around. And they're her friends, badasses. Yes. And they are there. They interviewed three different friends and they were just, they would just make a day of it and say, okay, let's yeah. go. Let's find it. And that's how the police didn't find that. The friends no. found that. Right. And that's when they found, they found a note and I have what's actually written on the note written down. So they find mm. a note in the garbage that says, Town dump, bridge, dig, boat, other, shovel or, question mark, car, truck, rent. So that's a big thing is you see town dump, bridge, dig, boat. You know, it's kind of like your first thought is, is that like a bearing in a body list? And that sounds incriminating to us. And do you remember what the officer said that they, that was it struts? Stutz, something like that, yeah. the officer that wasn't in there very long, but was very seemed to really blow off that all of it. Yeah, didn't, didn't he? say that because they were real estate. So he said that just sounds like something that oh, you would do for a real estate. It was a time thing. of year, right? He's like, it's a time oh, of right, year, right? The shovel. Well, it's February. He's going to shovel, right? And it's just like, seriously, you're a cop. I mean, wasn't he in homicide? Or missing part. I mean, but, but you know what I mean? At least you'd think. Yeah, he and that was the was original thing, detective on the case. Yes. And he just nothing. blew everything off. Blew ever because he figured, yeah. oh, they both, he admitted that they got into some arguments. Things weren't on the, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so she, I figured she ran away, whatever. Right. Again, hysterical woman, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Right. And then, um, so I don't know. It's It does seem pretty incriminating to me. Yeah. But. What's interesting, and and what anytime you see any kind of abbreviated list that anybody makes, I'm sure that they I've made lists to myself that people are like, "What the fuck does that even mean?" Right. 
but it's well i do think it's interesting that he threw other in there with a question mark well the shovel or was question mark there, other was yeah. just there okay so yeah so it's town dump bridge dig boat other I mean, so that that's interesting to me that he threw in other. Like, what does other mean to him? And because... their land and their um, the Salem home, it was in front of the it was at waterfront. Oh, you know, that's it right. Had, it had what right there. And did right. they ever drag it? Yes. I mean, later, years later, yeah, oh, right? Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Years, but it wasn't like like, like decades. They just blew it off, and I was, um, mm -hmm. you know, and they again, didn't check the house or they, anything. We're looking at something that someone put together and could have and i get that i always take these type of documentaries with a grain of salt um especially i try to read you know and find out about angles and whatnot but uh that's like you said that very incriminating mm. and then um this i thought was very telling and very interesting robert said that kathy began changing oh yep and mm -hmm. you know so we had been things had been fine everything was okay after I made her get an abortion. And he literally said, I made her get yes. an abortion. And it was like a, whoa. <laughs> like, well, yeah, of course thing, she fucking changed if you yeah, made her get an abortion. he said, I told, and again, he's controlling it. He's, but he's coming across as a complete, he's an asshole. He says, I told her from the get-go, I don't want kids. I'm not that, you know, and he looks disgusted even talking about it. And that's where the title comes in. I just right. thought I'd be a, a jinx for some reason. I kind of, I kind of know why. And anybody else <laughs> even looks at you and is, you know, watches right. you for less than a minute, they know that you made a good choice. Not the abortion, but you know, steering away from being a family man because you're mm. not. You're a psychopath. But he says, you know, I told her this. I told her, blaming it on her. Well, and and well, well, and what he says is that they agreed. So. But after she got pregnant, she felt she wanted, differently. Right. So, yeah. So, so, yeah. So in a way, like he, he does come across as an asshole, but if it, what that, if that is true, that they agreed, then it's, he's a businessman. He felt like that was a verbal contract. Mm -hmm. And, and that is from someone who does not have deep feelings. So if you don't get feelings, then you're not going to understand how do you change your mind on something like that? But again, how, it just goes, because this thing happened to you. Why and would I you want to change your mind? I completely see your point and I agree. I'm just saying as far as what is more, what it points to is how amazing is it? He agreed to this interview. You hear the conversation. Right, and he has no idea. And it's like, well, well and then at the end, then um, I'll, we, we can talk about this later, but then he kind of second guesses it toward the end, but then still does it. But, well, but the, the whole thing is, is he has a reason to be cocky he has a reason because he keeps getting off he keeps getting away with it so of course he can be cocky of course he doesn't give a shit because plus, he keeps getting away money. with stuff plus the money and he tries to make you feel you know sorry for him i've always had money people are never gonna you know i was you know when i went to, when i was in prison for for the pending the trial for the body and the, for poor morris black can take her soul dude he he says, the people in jail respected me, and I saw a different mentality because these people, they worked their way, you know, they had, they did what they had with their lives, what all I had was money. So in a way, there was a respect, but ultimately, he felt smarter and better, mm. and maybe even a little cocky, like you said, being able right. to fit into that after he does live, he's worth 
billion. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And um, one place that I did notice he pulled it back a little is that she says very specifically he punched her and slapped her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so there was very that the punching. So she very specifically said he punched me. He says, of course, he's like, well, you know, by 1981, life was full of arguments. It was fighting, oh, yeah. slapping, pushing, fighting, slapping, pushing. So a lot of fighting yeah. and pushing, that sounds like they were both doing it to each other. So it was right. a mutual thing. He doesn't he doesn't come right out and say, oh, of course I punched her. And it makes it's it we sound, were fighting. It makes it sound like a like, you know, I always say how the Hammer film fights is are oh. always real kind of uh I don't want to say sissified because that has a bad comment, but it really isn't the most aggressive. And that's kind of what he makes it sound like. Yeah, we were, you know, kind of like we're kind right. of kids. We were kind of like, look, we were frustrated. We were smacking at each other. Like, that's completely fine. It just happens, right. you know. And it's like, wow. Yeah. And they also go through. So, one of the reasons he wasn't worried about when she didn't come home right away when she wasn't home for wasn't answering for a few days or whatever is he claimed that you know she would stay over at school sometimes because she was an intern so she might stay at school and so he wasn't really worried about it supposedly supposedly she called the dean of the college to say she was sick and didn't want to go in and i know you're that's they said but yeah that's what they said is (laughs) is that she called that monday morning she called the school. They said the dean. She called the dean and said, hey, I'm, I have the sniffles. I'm not coming in. So he, he calls the dean. You call the co- You don't call right. a dean. That's the first thing I, I mean, thought of. Is, like, I need the he... president of the, the university. Yeah. Um, tell him I'm not going to class today. And and who do you and who are they purporting that did that? Oh, they said that Susan. Are you saying right. that? Yeah, that they think Susan. Right. They think Susan did. And I did do that's the first well, thing. Well, but the I whole idea is. Right. Is mm-hmm. that. That probably didn't happen in the first place. And I believe that they tried to talk to the dean and the dean would never pin it down. He would never Mm. say for sure either way. So supposedly she called the dean. Um, The only reason he got worried is because a few days later, he says a college called and said, oh, we haven't seen her for a few days. So they were worried. Who did he go to first? So he goes to his family. Yeah. And and what do I do, daddy? And, you know, brother. And of course they don't want it reported. Because and, and what does he say? Well, what am I? Yeah, because, you know, he he's very estranged from them always. Mm-hmm. At this point, hadn't he been asked to leave or no? It was after. It was like in 94 or something he was asked to leave. Yeah. But things weren't good with them. Right. Daddy, family, what should I do? And then he listens. So, again, not connected, not ensconced in, in feeling in any. Well, he did say, though, like that he eventually he did decide. Well, oh, I'm just Thursday. still going to. So then he, the other argument of her running away, it's like you said, she was in her last year of med school. Why the hell would you go through med school and just decide to run away in your last year when you had no signs of, you know, and you, you have reports that he punched her and no one looked into it. There was also, and then he also said that he went to a friend's for dinner for a drink. Oh, a neighbor. And went to, yes, he went to a neighbor's for a drink. He admits that didn't happen. Oh, well, the neighbor. The, and neighbor the neighbor said it didn't happen. It didn't well, happen. the cops don't go question the don't neighbor. Ever go look into it, <laughs> right? So the lead investigation, like they never did shit. He admitted he lied, saying that he was hoping it would make it all go away. It was like a negotiation. And the detective, 
again, that was uh, was initially involved in it when she was a missing person was like, yeah, you know, people go to drinks or whatever. He never looked. He just is so cavalier about it. And again, I know that there may be maybe they did four hours with the dude and they cut it down to like 20 minutes. That he Well, no, because but in the book, she makes very sure to talk about. Yeah, she makes sure to talk about the original investigation, give them fucking nothing that they did nothing and makes you wonder. You know, not only the time frame, but they never go into why didn't they piggyback off of this in this poor little rich boy episode? What, um, you know, he was targeted because, they, you know, they, they were wanting to make sure he wasn't targeted because of who he was, or you could take the tack. Maybe they didn't check into it because of who he was. I thought they'd go into that a little bit more. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, like, they... or did they need to because of the attitude of the time of women or, the attitude of the police or you know it, it's i think it was a combination i mm -hmm. think it was i could see that maybe influencing influence because this guy was already obviously kind of just like meh and then if he's like oh you know i know who i'm dealing with here maybe mm -hmm. i just shouldn't touch it and right. and he made he made a point to say there was no corpse there was no crime scene this is a missing persons why do you want me to bend over backwards for a missing persons so I think and he pretty much comes out and says it like that. He literally did. I wrote, yeah, yeah. He, I wrote yeah. it down. He literally says, like, I don't understand why you why I would do more than I'm doing. Right. He uh, he also admitted that he didn't really speak to her. So he's basically admitting, uh, yeah, I, I made it all up. And so because I knew no one would question it because that's what you do. So he actually. Mm -hmm. So he's reporting it, but he's not reporting it. So that's the thing. Like, how is that not incriminating? Because to him, it's, again, if you only have a certain depth that, okay, I went to the cops, that's what you do. So it looks like I did what I was supposed to do, so now I'm off the hook, right? But people don't, you don't, and you don't realize when you start saying, oh, well, no, I didn't really see her, and I didn't really, that it looks like, oh, okay, so you didn't really try. And it really, so, and it reminds <laughs> me, I mean, it's different, but it, it recalls in my mind the um, Rebecca's a how case in which um, her boyfriend's brother and his name escapes me for some reason but how he was was like made it back took it back on him like how can i be in the police you know station being you know i just found her i didn't do you know and it kind of recalls like but as a as you know as emotional as he was and feeling put upon robert showed nothing mm -hmm. even i mean i mean it's i know it's been a long time but nothing no type of feeling or just real i mean and if that doesn't because usually they read into stuff cops you, you see on all the cop shows mm -hmm. they line and all that they read so much into stuff even when there's really not much to read exactly into. yeah and it was nothing with nothing with this so if we move on to the third episode the gangster's daughter we are talking of course about susan berman and from my notes and from the previous episode where I did, uh, it was a believe the update on in my WTF episode, it talks about how they met in the 80s and, or the 70s, sorry. And they became fast friends because of their odd connection. And she was very, became a writer, was very much known for being sweet, but also having that fierce devotion which kind of recalls like the good fellas and those type of uh mob tie relationships that are kind of stereotypical or 
we're talking about Susan Berman. What do you have to add from the book on that or what insights do you have comparing the two? Yeah, basically it was one of their big connections was that her, I think both of her parents were dead at that point mm -hmm. and he had lost one parent. Yes. So they bonded over the loss of the parent and then they both, since he was in the real estate world, you know, and she knew, you know, the mafia thing, they kind of bonded over because the thing is, I don't think she knew that her dad was in the mafia until she was older. Oh, that's right. And then yeah. she found out that that's what he had been doing all these years. And then she wound up writing a book about it. And so she was a, a, a writer and things like that. They got into her a little bit. They, they make a point to mention that no one had searched the house until the case was reopened. The detectives, so this is another interesting thing about Susan, is that this family that has like owns Times Square and, you know, they have all this real estate. The Durst, these, right? The Durst, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. So the Durst family, multi-million dollar family, whatever. Right. Instead of, they have a spokesperson. Instead of having their company spokesperson, it was Susan. Susan. Speaks for Robert. And so he asked her, for, I think he asked her, there was a conversation where she's like, I can do it, I know, and or he asked her to. And so, yes. And she was in a deposition that uh, where they discuss things. So there's the allegation there and probably is true is that she knew a lot more about his first wife, Kathy's disappearance and what had happened. And that's why, of course, what leads into the trial that eventually convicted him. Right. And so that's the, that's the thing is, well, number one, it kind of makes sense. The family wouldn't use the media because the family's totally pulled itself away from this whole thing. Mm -hmm. They don't want anything to do with it. He was estranged from his family, so they wouldn't want to get the family involved by using the family spokesperson. Mm -hmm. So it was perfect that Susan was willing to do the talking. And and what's what's funny is when you start to dissect the things that were showing up in the media, things like, oh, the doorman says he saw her, and this happened and that happened, and you start like digging into it, they, they ask the doorman, and the doorman's like, well, I didn't see anything. Or, you know, the doorman is a Durst employee. So uh -huh. everyone that supposedly said something was a Durst employee. Or there was no foundation. So then basically, was Susan fabricating this? And so mm -hmm. she was controlling the media and the narrative. Mm -hmm. And the cops weren't searching. So there was nobody to contradict what was being mm -hmm. said in the media. So there was a big, a big idea that she was, that they were feeding the media all these lies and that's how people got to know the story was the story of lies and it reminds me of when you mentioned about that about the doorman it reminded me of i forget which episode it was where they were the director of the jinx and his crew and robert and bob go to his family's um main building and, they, and there were a lot but and the doorman they were like yeah this is you know this is bob Dur and he's like i, I well he lies the door the uh it was a security guy and he lies and says that the owner of the building is some realty company mm. and he has a big d right. on his blue coat <laughs> right. and he's like well isn't that d for dirt she's like i don't know what you're talking i can't really comment so right. it's just like that wall mm -hmm. that yeah. wall of privilege that wall of and you know i understand given the, this the situation with he's just an out there dude and then he's there and he was but yet it's just so right elitist to put it mildly um, right and there's also a note that the the week before kathy 
McCormick went missing, Kathy Durst went missing, she had filed, she had gotten a divorce attorney, mm-hmm. and he had turned down a settlement for divorce. Yes. Divorce. Yes. So the week before she disappeared, she filed for divorce. She, she, Nobody, she said, I want a divorce. A divorce. And he said, no nerd. divorce. <laughs> nerd divorce. He started burping. <laughs> so then it goes into Susan's murdered, Christmas of 2000, mm-hmm. a gunshot to the back of her head. There was no forced entry. The cops were about to question her. So that's another big coincidence that right about the time that, and she had told him, hey, according to him, of course, oh, she said the cops might talk to her. And I was like, okay, whatever. That's cool. Like basically say, you know, like he wasn't worried about it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he wasn't worried about it. Right. And like you said, he, she probably knew a bunch of stuff. She apparently told a friend that she was working on something big. And Mm -hmm. then she gets killed. Now, there's also some speculation that it was a mafia thing because her family was involved with the mafia. Maybe she was going to come out with a book about the mafia that no one wanted to know about. And so she they shot her in the back of the head. But you can also you also know if if he's calculating and someone knows if everyone knows she's part of her family was in the mafia. So, of course, if Mm -hmm. you're going to off her, make it look like it was a mob hit. And the whole thing about the ultimate the cadaver note. The reason this plays in is a couple of things. No one knew about her death yet until a note mysteriously uh, appears. Wasn't it to the police? Mm -hmm. And it says cadaver. And I think it spelled cadaver wrong, right? I know they spelled cadaver's right. Beverly's wrong. Beverly's wrong. So, but not there's a body at this address, Mm -hmm. a cadaver. And one of her friends says, that Kathy, his first wife, mm-hmm. had a cadaver being in medical school, and they would talk about the cadaver. She didn't name the cadaver like a lot of people do because she wanted to preserve the dignity and be respectful, but cadaver was a common word because of her what she mm-hmm. what she was going to school for. The fact that he, being so dissociative from life, you know, that term would come about instead of look, there's a body. You know what I mean? There's my neighbor or whoever. Or Susan's dead. Right. Uses the term cadaver, a mm-hmm. very aloof kind of medical phrase. Mm-hmm. And and then, of course, the Beverly, the spelling of Beverly. But was that right. was that on the same one or is that on a different? Um, they That's really kind of- get into that. They mention it in that one, but they really get into it in the last episode. Right. So, but that is a big thing cadaver and i hadn't thought of that but you know what a weird phrase yeah and and the thing is that he makes a big point to say that well obviously the killer sent it because he knew the body was there nobody else knew the body was there why would the killer do that he would be giving himself giving a chance to give himself away but i think it's funny because it's kind of like i think he's looking at it as an afterthought like fuck i made this mistake Mm -hmm. so now i'm covering it because now I see that maybe that was a bad idea. So he's going to cover it by saying, well, why would it, why would the, if I were the killer, why would I do that? That's dumb. Because maybe yeah. you did it and you didn't realize how dumb it was. You because, thought you were smart. Right. Because you keep talking under your breath and saying shit and you don't realize you're doing it. So the cadaver note, <laughs> you know, so it is, it's very interesting mm-hmm. that he thinks he's being savvy by coming right out and saying, oh, if I did it, that would be dumb. But then, as we'll see in the last episode, yeah, it was dumb. 
and you fucked up. And he and he figures it out <laughs> and, uh, uh, with a hot mic. Um, now the um, state. Ver um, did you want to talk about anything else before we go into the? Yeah, just real fast. They did also mention that Susan was running low on money. Yeah, she, she kept was in hard out. times. Mm -hmm. So she, they had a list of people she was asking for money. And that Bobby gave her like $50,000. It was like $25,000. Like once, two weeks or something then... or two months before she died. And one of her good friends, he's like, I love her. She was one of my closest friends. Mm -hmm. But I could see her blackmailing somebody. Like if she got desperate, she was not the same person. So mm -hmm. I could see her if she knew something about Kathy's disappearance. I could see her if she's desperate enough and that's, saying, look, it's not personal. Yeah. And that's what that, they alleged happened. And that's why she had to go. It was coming, you know, it was coming to the case was being reopened. She knew maybe she was saying, look, I've covered for you. I know about where the, about Kathy's body. Exactly. That's what the uh, allegation was. Right. And that might be the blow the lid off the big thing, mm -hmm. you know, and he did not go to her memorial. So that was, nope. and he was there. He was in the city. He just didn't go. So that is a very interesting, but he makes a point to go visit her son, her stepson. Yep. He makes a point to visit him. The stepson doesn't think he does it. So God love him. He's like, I, I don't understand. They were best friends. I don't think he'd do it. I don't know why. And then it comes out mm. that uh, he, Robert paid for this guy's college. Like he paid like $100,000 for this guy to go to college. Yep. And I don't, I really didn't get the feeling that I really think the guy, his name was, um, was it Sarib or something? Yes. Yeah, Sahib? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> but I really got the feeling he genuinely thought that Robert Durst was innocent. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's because he got bought off. I think that probably helped. Because if you think about it, like, oh, but he's giving me, he's my benefactor. He loved my mom, my mm -hmm. stepmom. So I can kind of see why he wouldn't want to believe that and mm -hmm. would have trouble believing that. But then it's kind of like, Honey, you know, I think he just bought you off and you didn't even realize it. And that will also come into a, be a big part of the last episode. So then now you can go on to the next one. So the state of Texas versus Robert Durst, that pretty much is the Morris Black trial. And the big thing that comes out on that is he talks about, oh, there was an accident. That's how we were wrestling over this gun. I shot him. He had become angry with me. Because, you know, again, playing upon his, his ang you know, his, his being a feisty old ass of a guy. And he liked guns, which is another thing they brought up. Oh, not only was he a mean ass, but he loved his guns. And so he was, him and uh, Robert had a falling out or uh, Robert asked him to go because of the gun. He came back and was in his Robert's, Bob's apartment. And at this point, he wasn't pretending to be a mute woman. That he probably, he knew who he was. Morris knew who Bob was. And again, they go into, there's an allegation of, well, maybe he was trying going to blackmail him. And that's why he was okay with knowing who he was because he was like, you know, that can use this to my advantage. And that's really what happened. However, Bob says they tussled, he shot him, freaked out. And as one might do to clean up something tidy, quote unquote, dismember the body. How did he, how did he know to dismember? That was another thing that the people writer said pinpointed about the jinx, why they didn't probe into that or well, how did you know how to dismember someone? When did that come about? But anyway, so Bob's like, yeah, I cut to remove the head, you know, dismember the body. And they showed way too many pictures of this poor guy's limbs and I just couldn't look anymore. But the fact is they say, look, 
he saw that it was the bags were floating. They thought that he thought that they would sink. And that's why he grabbed the head and ran off and they never found it. Mm -hmm. Right. So another, th th yeah, this is a huge one because going into it, the defense at this point. So I think this is a great point to bring up Janet, sorry, Janine Pirro is she was the one who reopened the case. She was, she was the DA. DA, yeah. yeah. She had mm -hmm. reopened the case on Kathy because it got under her onto her radar. And she, I'll go ahead and tell this part. Mm -hmm. She was basically the same age. She was in the 70s. Women didn't become doctors. Women weren't lawyers. Women, weren't, women were quiet. Women didn't do shit. So to be a woman that went to law school or to become a doctor, you had to have balls. Badass. And Right. You had to be a badass. So she, it was crazy. It turns out that they would end up, they end up, they would party at the same clubs. She was like, what if she was at the same club that I was at? They drove mm -hmm. the same car, the mm -hmm. same type of car. Mm -hmm. So she's like this. Sh so it was basically like looking at herself and she saw this woman just fucking disappeared. She was also really big on um, stopping domestic abuse. So that's another reason why it caught her attention. And she's like, we need to figure out what the fuck happened. So she made it a mission because she saw this injustice. So she's like, yeah, I'm going to go after him. So at this point, she had made it known, I'm, I'm after him. You know, like, I want to find out what's happening. And so what the defense did is they turned her into the bad guy that motivated Durst to have to run away. So yep. they made, she was a major part of the defense where they were like, oh, she came after him like with a pitchfork and, you know, metaphorically, she had a mob. And so, oh, he didn't feel safe. He had to go. He had to dress as a woman and run away because she was such a big, bad, you know, so they, and they painted. Were, yeah. And they, and they're saying, and I know that the, uh, the jinx really pushed the publicity that she loved the publicity, that she was springboarding that onto something in politics, well, that's the potentially. Thing is, yeah, they were trying to make it look like she was running for something bigger. And the funny thing is, I, she wasn't. She was DA. She never, she never got higher than that. So that was, yeah. So they used her as a bad guy. And then they did the thing where they're like, oh, you know, oh, he, the poor child that his mother died. And to the point where they humanize him enough. That the jury laughs when he says he bought a purse and a blouse like you had referenced before. So, And that was just an incredible thing. That you're at a case where you're talking about someone was dismembered. And the jury is laughing. And didn't one of the right. prosecutors, someone that was on the team, like, I knew we were in trouble. I was yep. stunned. And I knew yeah. we were in trouble. Because I thought for sure. I mean, all like I said, all those pictures of this dead guy's limbs. Right. And they're and laughing. And he still has the, even though we're talking about how disconnected and how anti-society mm. he seems to be, that he still knows enough. Again, where the calculation comes in, it seems. Right. Yeah. And so what happened is... He says Morris got an eviction notice That's and right. started freaking out. He hears a gunshot and he goes over um, and is like, what the hell's going on? Morris comes into the apartment with a gun and he's like, okay, leave my fucking house. So then he comes home and then Morris is sitting there with a gun. But the funny thing is, is they never, they found the eviction notice. It wasn't shot through. There mm -hmm. wasn't a bullet hole anywhere, anywhere near Maybe or anywhere near. <laughs> right. So, I mean, they, so yeah, so there's that aspect and they both bonded over guns is another yes, they bonded thing. over guns he they so, show pictures of him having like three guns or something yes and so they said that he claims okay so his words were the lawyers my lawyer knew that i would have to own up to dismembering them 
but they weren't sure that how easily it would be for me to talk about it. So they were like, basically, don't try to remember. So if they ask you how you cut yeah. the body up, try not to remember. But they let him get very specific about how they supposedly tussled. So they would show like, oh, no, I was here and he was here. And then he would be like, well, no, but now I don't remember. And so, when they, yeah, the prosecutor was show was, was with someone doing, reenacting it. And he would say, well, was it this? He goes, I don't know. I don't. Then he got, then it was foggy. And he said, you just like, look like spaghetti to me. And the, and the jury laughed. And right. then the prosecutor tried to turn it back and say, oh, like a spaghetti with bloody, bloody you know, spaghetti, bloody spaghetti. Right. Yeah. And it, and it just, it failed to grasp and it's right. And, and he knew it and it was sounded so weak and it was so bad. Right. And then this is the reason that he got acquitted. Got acquitted. Is because mm. they made it very specific that you are not here to the jury. You're not here to decide why he could have killed him. It has nothing to do with anything other than was this self-defense. You are looking at the mur at whether this was murder or self-defense. So... You have this tussle. Yeah, he cut the body up afterwards, but you can't look at that. That doesn't matter. Anything before or after, you can't look at any of that. You have and to just worked. say, was this self-defense? And it fucking worked. It worked. That is a thing that is just, oh my God. The crazy thing is, they said they never had more than three guilty votes at any given time. Isn't that something? And one guy, one, one guy said something about one of the jurors was really upset about the dismemberment. Yeah. And that's the only thing they wanted to that that was the thing that they upset them the most. Right. And that um one of <laughs> and the they jurors, talked him out of it, you know? One of the jurors ended up hanging out with Durst. Like he would go visit Durst in jail. He was enamored of the guy. I wow. think I saw something where maybe his family went on vacation with him. So one dude one of the jurors ended up hanging out with him. There was another juror they was uh, was on there and she was just like, Oh, well, I just you know, I we did what we were told to do and and that's the thing. It's like, oh, my God, they got like the 10 fucking worst people, most gullible fucking people. And that's why he was acquitted. The man dismembered a body. And again, it makes you wonder <laughs> how much his his empire, his being a scion, uh, the money was talking and no one ever probes mm. into that. And maybe they didn't even need to, which is really sad, but mm. how, what, how much maybe were, they, no one's come out and said they were threatened. I've never heard any, any rumors about that or anything, but it just makes you still wonder. Well, and I think and one, another thing that, that probably helped him is I know somebody was like, when I first saw him, well, actually even Janine and I think one of the detectives, when they first saw him, they're like, he couldn't have done that. Like, how could this guy saw somebody up? Like, he's kind of frail. Yeah. He's in, he looks like an old man. Mm -hmm. Like, he's not really going to do that. And it was at the end of that episode mm -hmm. that where he's talking, they're taking a break. And he starts talking to himself. And he's like, because he had asked, oh, and what the whole thing where he was talking about the whole truth and nothing but the truth, that whole thing. I got fucking lost at the logic on that one. Oh, but the, he, he was, was basically talking his way around telling the truth, whether right. it's and the truth or not. Didn't he say, and he, yeah, because he had said in the interview, for the jinx he was like you know they they told me look you we don't want you to lie so basically we're not encouraging you to lie if you talk around things and not lie that's not lying and you're not intention if you don't intentionally right. lie and he was like repeating that yeah he's and he like, was on the hot mic repeating it i didn't intentionally lie i didn't intentionally not and it was like what but then he says i did make mistakes 
Uh-huh. And that's when his lawyer came over and like, hey, dude, we can hear you. Like your mic's on. Do you know your how mic's, mics work? Hot? Yeah. And so, you know you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. it's like you said I did make mistakes. So basically you're like, so you just basically admitted that you you probably lied unintentionally. So that was another moment. And that was an important moment to keep in even besides I did make mistakes was to show that he would talk with the mic on and completely forget that the mic was on. But that's just how inside his head and and that he was just so used to being that way and it not blowing up in his face. And being alone. That's the other thing, you know, it, that he's always too related to our own lives. How our mom, she's lived alone all these years oh. since daddy passed. And she'll talk to herself, talk to herself. Talk, and like, you know, we're here. Oh, I know, but I've been alone for so long. And that kind of goes into that too, for mm. me, is that he's not used to being with people. Oh, yeah. I I didn't think about that aspect, but yeah. So in episode five, they focus a lot on this Ed Wright. He had been hired by, so the Durst family hired a private investigator. And the, I'm trying to remember exactly how it worked. Because it worked that like the private investigator wound up looking into Durst. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting that, that he was hired to kind of look into things, but he wound up looking into Durst. So there's his documents from 1982. This was in 1982. Mm-hmm. So in 1982, this private detective saw all these problems and inconsistencies with Robert Durst's statements, including they like end up firing him. Then Bob? I believe I believe mm-hmm. that he did. So they they go into and a lot of them are things that we've already covered. You know, like like one of the friends had actually made the trip. So Robert had said that she had gone to a friend's party. Drove home basically drunk and then was able to catch this train. Well, the, the mm-hmm. woman took this train. She did retrace those steps her several friend, times. Yes. Mm-hmm. Her friend retraced those steps. She's like, there's no way you can make it in that time period. The cops retraced it later. And they were like, yeah, there's no way that she could have made it in the this time period. So you can see like her friends were really... It was, um, I think it's her name is Gilbert or something like that. Right. Um, and, and it's her friends that pushed this... And then the cops were like, yeah, okay, well, maybe. But but really, it didn't move things. It never moved things. Until, well, yeah, until like way later when this the jinx came out, they started to look back into things. Bob decided, uh, Robert decided that he was going to stop interviewing. He's like, you know, I'm kind of sick of this. I don't think I want to do this anymore. And meanwhile, they had that bombshell cadaver letter that they want to show him. And so they're like, duh. But then... He gets arrested in New York for violating the protection order from his brother. So they catch him on his brother's property. So he gets arrested. And then he just decides it's okay that he wants to be interviewed again. Because (laughs) because the big thing with that and how they were able to lord it over him to their advantage was that the crew was with him. And he they were just kind of, you know, doing what, excuse me, doing whatever they did, following him around. And he's like, I want to walk over and I want to see my you know now that i know where my brother lives like he didn't even know where his brother lived well they had surveillance cameras and of course they taping it anyway they're recording it taping i sound 80 and then so he so bob's blowing him off blowing jerecki and jinx people off says he's in barcelona when he's in new york still and they find out he says i'm not interested they think that's the end then it comes out he gets arrested because the there's a surveillance camera of him being at his brother's in front of his brother's, thereby violating the restraining order. And it happened after the episode. So he calls, Bob calls Jarecki and says, hey, 
can you help me, man? I thought about it and I wanted to do the second interview. And, and he's like, sure, I'll help you. I'll give you the, I'll turn into the attorneys, you know, the film footage of us being with you that nothing happened, but you've got to do this interview. And that's the right. reason he came back and said, okay. And that's pretty much, I think that's pretty much all I have for the fifth episode. I, I was taking less and less notes because I was just more engrossed in it. And I was like, oh, I should be writing some things down. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about in episode five or you want to jump straight to the last episode? Really, I mean, that episode five, Family Values, really just kind of goes into, it's an ironic title because, of course, he's he, his brother obviously got a restraining order against him. And they really just probe more into that. And that's all I really took from just getting it really to kind of set up for the summary, the final mm. episode of what the hell did I do? Did you want to start into that? Yeah, let's go ahead and jump in that episode. Okay. So, and, and again, it's the end and they have this cadaver letter. They have the letter that is it, is the cadaver letter and the Beverly letter the same? Yes. Okay. So that's what I thought. So that we've already referenced about how he used the term cadaver. But the big thing they're using is the fact that he spells Beverly incorrectly. And not only that, he sp they have other episode, other evidences. Can I use a it word was right? the It was the um, stepson. Susan's okay, stepson right. Finds... They, they find from the stepson other evidence of not only that spelling, it looks just like his hands. It just is his handwriting. And so that's the big bombshell that, like you had mentioned before, they're kind of setting up and discussing, okay, if we spring this on Bob, how do we think he'll react? Because the director, Jarecki, was like, I like to think that he's chill, but I think he's more volatile. And if we back him to the corner, I don't know what he'll do. So they were kind of nervous mm -hmm. about the second interview when that was the crux of it. They were going to say Show the what note. about, right. right, and kind of build up to kind of be... Right, More, like, yeah, subtle about it. And and I, I want to interject real fast. When the stepson found that letter, he was looking through a box of his mom's stuff and he sees some correspondence from Durst. And so he pulls out that this envelope. And the first thing he notices is on the the address on the envelope, Beverly spelled wrong. And it's in those block letters. And so it hits him because he knew about the cadaver lever, letter. And so cadaver you can level. see him just it hit him oh my god th this man probably killed my mom this man that i've defended for this long probably killed my mother and, and we mean susan berman just so you guys i'm sorry yes susan yeah. berman and so you can see how how torn apart but that just proves that he he was in it to find out the truth he wasn't in it to protect anybody you know and that had to be because he could have thrown that away he could have you know but and so they had that and they show them going through because another big thing is the whole idea of like chain of custody. And um, so what they did is they documented them putting it in a safety box and he did tell, they did tell law enforcement about it. So that way, you know, it was out with the cops. So that way it could be part of the official thing if it ever became official and things like that. So that's a, a huge thing is how that just really opened this guy's eyes that had, Mm -hmm. really thought this guy had not killed his mother and and to see his reaction i mean he mm -hmm. he physically he started to shake he started to cry. it just mm -hmm. you watched it him it come over him and it was just so mm -hmm. um so sad yeah so then what they the way they do is um they're like oh i'm just gonna show him pictures like oh hey here's a picture of you as a kid here's a picture of this hey what about this letter 
And do you notice the spelling? And what do you think about it? And the way that he just is kind of like, there's there's no real reaction except for the twitching, the eye twitching. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I see Beverly spelled wrong. He's not giving anything up. Well, I see Beverly spelled wrong and it's in block letters, you know, like you do. And so he's like, well, this is um, this is a letter from you. Did you write this? Well, yeah, I wrote that one, but I didn't write the other one. So what they did is, so they had, first they had the cadaver lever, cadaver letter. Cadaver lever. Side, uh, side by side with his the envelope that says Robert Durst on it has his address. So it's side by side, so it's obvious which one's which. Well, then they had isolated it and just taken the Beverly from both things mm-hmm. and had on the same piece of paper side by side, so you couldn't tell which is from which. Jarecki, the guy interviewing the director, he slides up a piece of paper over and he's like, which one of these did you write? And finally, Robert couldn't think of anything else. And he says, I don't know. But then he tries to go into this well, you know, block letters are a lot like typewriters, so you really can't tell the difference between one block writing and what the fuck? Back like peasant, now yeah. you can tell he's totally reaching. Everybody mm-hmm. fucking knows that block letters aren't like fucking type. And honestly, even typewriters, I think they can tell. Uh, yes, get and right down to because it. they can they can trace back and see the model and the. <laughs> but type that's the and... whole idea. Is he totally started reaching? He's like, oh, oh nobody yeah. knows block letters, and yeah, you know. And so, but he, he did, knew, and it said melting. And it says, because it has, you know, the, the letter to Susan says, of course, Susan Berman, her address, Beverly Hills, which is, you know, spelled wrong. But he's, oh, yeah, I, I think I, oh, yeah, that was a letter I sent. And he just, re, like you said, restating the obvious, but it's mm-hmm. just. You can tell he's trying to put things together. Around. Like, how am I going to, uh-huh. mm-hmm. Oh, this is another thing that I didn't really catch in the show. But in the book, she talks about how he's always writing with green ink. So what's interesting is the cadaver letter is in green ink and his letters in green ink. That's right. Yeah. So that's another big thing because who the fuck writes in green ink? But to him is he wouldn't think because if you constantly do something, even if it might be weird to other people, if it's, if it's, you know, your thing, you might not think about it. So he might not have thought I'm writing this in green ink and that's weird. I did think of someone, <laughs> a couple people, the Hulk, Oscar the Grouch and a Dursty. Okay, I stand corrected. But yeah, so that was the big... So he goes to... So that's when the infamous, he goes to the bathroom, his mic's still hot, and he mumbles things under his breath, including, of course, I killed them all. Mm-hmm. And then they just end the episode. That's it. it. And it's done. The movie is over. And I was just like, what? And then I started looking into his second wife and everything, but, um, and then, but then knowing... Going forward, like I said, starting off knowing that he's been convicted, it's it's just really weird. How did you how were you left feeling at that point? Well, I was I pretty much binged it in one day and I, I had read just a, a little tiny bit of, of the book at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that he had been charged with something, but I couldn't remember exactly what thing it was. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of got the chills the way they ended it. And with that, the music, and I was kind of like, oh, shit, that is kind of like, that is a big. I was a little puzzled because he says in his mumbling, oh, I want this. And I don't understand what that could refer to. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, I yeah, want Yeah, so this. it's it's like some of it, it's just... um. 
I should. Well, he's kind of berating himself too. I mean, he's kind of mumbling like, "What? What about that question? Haven't you're having trouble with that question?" And I want right. this. Maybe it meant I want this to work out. I want this to oh, present yeah. my side of it. But then he, because he was right. going back and forth, like I said, and berating himself and burping and like in the burping, you know, and it's mm. like, yeah, it's and who knows? Because he's what's in his head. Oh, exactly. Yeah. So that was I did think that was um, like amazing. And the thing is, the very first chapter in her book mm -hmm. is she goes through that episode. So she opens her book with that mm -hmm. bombshell. And what did you so say the name of that book is idea. of Janine Pirro's? He killed them all. He killed and them all. I'm think uh, I'm going to go okay. ahead and go through real fast. I'm just going to take a minute and go through just some sure, of the we things can that end it. Yeah, we can. Book. Yeah. And then I'll just do like a real quick synopsis of um, all good things. It'll only take me a minute. The way that they found out about the body, about the reason that they had wanted to restart the investigation to Kathy Durst McCormick mm -hmm. is because a low-level sex offender said that he had been told right. by Durst that he had dumped a body in the he lake. He was trying to use that as leverage to get, get right. off. Right. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. The The people who bought the house after um, the after Durst sold it, mm -hmm. the couple who bought it said that there were holes in the floor that were reboarded. And what's interesting to that is they make a point to mention in the show that you could see that there were cuts on the floor From where he had the... dismembered the body. Yes. And so I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. There was a crawl space. And when he sold the house to them, he slept in a cot outside of the crawl space. So they thought when Janine's group decided to start to search the house, mm -hmm. they searched that and they even had like cadaver dogs sniff around there. And there was no evidence that anyone had been kept down there. But that's still interesting. Yeah, the owner said that, makes she, wonder. that they walked right to it. And we're talking about the house in Salem. And uh, the the new owner, she was like, uh, they went right to this what part of the wall I didn't even know was there mm -hmm. oh and that's they were right looking at and everything and, it, and she was just like floored but they oh they had done their homework on at that point yeah yeah and and there was a point where um because it was like there's a couple that owned the house and then just a single woman I believe that owned the house and she mm -hmm. was interviewed in the in the show mm -hmm. and she had mentioned she saw him out on her property just staring at the lake and that's she right. obviously yeah. freaked out so that was you know just like kind of little details that are he pulled her out of a Christmas party by her hair in front of the family. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. Yeah. So in Ugh. the book, they mentioned that they that that they had an altercation. She didn't want to leave, so he grabs her by the hair and pulls her out. And then shortly after, she surprise, wanted a divorce. Um, you should hear Janine Pirro go on about the dean comment about calling the dean. She, I, I okay. So I admit that when she was talking about how she was on Fox News, I immediately was like, oh, yeah, because you just don't know who's biased and who's you know. Mm -hmm. But I kept an open mind. She's hilarious and she's mm -hmm. blunt and she's sassy. And yeah. I really, if she is is truly the person in this book that she seems to be, she's fucking hilarious and she's to the point. And it was a really fun to read the book because she would literally be like, I had five holy shit moments. You know, so <laughs> she talks like, and she even says something about like, you know, I'll say he was creepy pants. Um, she makes a comment about something pants. I'll I'll find it. But so she was just really, was really maybe. She just goes off and she's like, I almost threw like my remote of the TV or mm -hmm. you know, so she's like, when I heard she that, seems I more down to earth. Yeah, right. And then um, there is also where the neighbors. So they were in I think it might have been the apartment. So one night the neighbors are asleep. 
they hear a tapping on their window from the balcony. And they're probably like stories up. She had climbed from her balcony over to their balcony because he had hit her. And this is Kathy. This she is Kathy. Had, oh, man. So they let her in through the window and she was terrified. And she wound up going back home. But she she was scared enough that she oh climbed out of a window to her neighbor's house. And as these and as a, and as her girlfriends would re- relay these kind of stories and meet with the police, you know, in the beginning, nothing. Right. And nothing. she would pointedly tell them if anything happens to me, don't let Bob get away. Bobby and get away even with that it. and letters and, and all the right. nothing. She kept a diary and she would say she's scared of him. She tried to she let him know she was going to leave, so he cut off her money. And she was getting a divorce lawyer and trying to grab, gather papers. She was telling all this to her brother as well. They, one of the things that Janine points out, which I did think of, is what's interesting is you always, always hear the thing, if a rich, beautiful white woman goes missing, they will move heaven and earth to try to figure out what the fuck happened to her. Yep. Nothing was done about this. They were, it was barely looked new. And what's funny is, because this was written, I think, in like 2015, mm-hmm. she mentions... Do you think if Trump's daughter, that real estate mogul, do you think if his daughter went missing that they would just let it Ivanka. go? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, which is funny because, yeah, you know, he wasn't president then or whatever. So right. it's just funny to see that she's like, but it's true. If Donald Trump's daughter would have gone missing, mm-hmm. they would have looked into it. I found that he had a dog named Igor, which was very interesting. Yeah. It turns out he kept, they were like Australian Malamutes. He apparently had, like, a series of them. He would get one, name it Igor, and then it would disappear. And he was apparently, Mm. it was implied by his brother that he was probably practicing dismemberment. And that he kept getting getting dogs and kept naming them Igor. Igor. You can say Igor. It's all right. It's the right way to say it. Yeah. Which did freak me out. The week before she vanished... She went to the Jacoby Medical Center with bruises on her face to document abuse. That's a week right. so a week before she didn't go any other time. So, so Janine is surmising that the way that it works is at least at this in New York at this point in time is if the spouse does not press charges, nothing will happen. Mm-hmm. Well, now I guess in some places, they even if the spouse doesn't chase presses mm-hmm. the cop right right chase presses um so maybe she was starting but if it happens multiple times then you can start a precedent of or at least make it part of the divorce is you if you say this is a if it if it happens once they don't care but if you say this is he has a pattern of this yeah. then they'll be like okay then it's okay that you're getting divorced whatever so she's How nice of them yeah that that that's when she because she was starting to try to take control she was looking into him trying to find information and he wasn't you know, going to take that to get a divorce a week before there's also the mention of he knew the, the pine barons was there the whole gangster affiliation with susan is everybody knows you drop a body in the pine barons you're probably not going to find that body that's right he did say that he said so that the pine barons yeah. is there i found it interesting that i don't think they really mentioned it much in the jinx but what his job was for the family when he was in the family business is he had to collect the money from like the the por- pornography stores and the strip clubs and the X-rated joints. Porn. Yeah. So he cl- he was the one who collected the money for that shit. So that was his job. He was job. openly had an affair with Mia Farrow's sister Prudence. I did not. This is in the book? Yes. 
Dude, so it was so you, every, so he could get a, he could got him paid in dildos or something. I maybe, but you know what's and also then, interesting is wow. Prudence Pharaoh. She's the dear Prudence from the Beatles song "Dear Prudence" because she was went wow. with them to um, India to do the meditation and stuff. And he got so, with her. So how does he get women? God. I know. So Ugh. he was having an affair. Kath, Kathy knew he was having affairs. She found a picture that he had taken of her medicine cabinet and her vanity. Because what he would do is if she was, you know, out of town, he would take all of her stuff out, make it look like he was single and have a booty call. So when she asked him, like, why are you taking pictures of this? Oh. He was like, yeah, I was, I was fucking somebody I else. I didn't know any of that. Oh, yeah. that's even worse than, than all the murder. Ugh. <laughs> uh, it turns out at one point, all of her friend's evidence was stolen. People had broken into their house, houses, mm. and taken evidence. There was a point where Janine's office were, they were trying to keep things quiet because they didn't want to spook Susan or right. Robert. And so they're trying to keep it quiet because they, you know, the best way is to try to like go from the outside in, like go for the, the people who are on the periphery and mm -hmm. then go into, because if you spook them, then they'll run or they'll clam up. So just when they were, they were about, they had just mentioned to Susan, hey, you know, we want to talk to you. Then all of a sudden, this article comes out in New York Times, the New York Daily News, and a People article about this investigation in Durst. Oh, my God. And it turns out someone on her own team leaked it for attention. And then so when she's like, people are calling me a media hound, I was trying to keep the fucking thing quiet. If you'll notice, mm -hmm. I'm not part of those articles. Mm -hmm. He's quoted in the articles. You know, so she's like, I was pissed because that ruined my investigation. But devil's advocate here, she could say that to protect herself and let that person take the fall. I mean, it is possible, but why would you want to destroy your own investigation just yeah, for that's publicity, true. you yeah. know? Oh, and then, of course, he said that it was actually Gilbert, the friend. He yes. says that she's the one. But, but the funny thing is, is she wouldn't know the cop information. There's a lot of information that only cops know. Mm -hmm. What's interesting, too, is that Morris... Black's prints, his own fingerprints were not in his apartment. So I don't hmm. remember that. I don't remember I either. All of his clothes were gone. Hmm. So Robert Durst admits, oh yeah, um, I hired a cleaning woman to clean just to wipe down all the walls and everything of both of our apartments. And stole his identity. So that's cool. And stole his identity. Yeah. To reiterate what a cheapskate he is. So we talked about before that he stole like a $5 chicken salad sandwich when he had $523 in his wallet. So one of the ways that they caught him is that he had gotten a prescription for glasses and he was getting it filled. Well, they were like, there's no way that since now he's on the run, there's no way he's going to come back for glasses. That's right. But and the detective did. was like, there, you know, just in case, call me. Well, then the, he gets this 911 pager message. Oh, yes, said, that's right. just got his glasses. So they were able to catch him. Because and he, he didn't use an alias. Date. And they, they had a list of, he was using like five, six aliases. And he used it and he signed it and they showed a picture of him signing his own name for his glasses. Yeah, it's... uh. It's incredible. And in the book, they also talk about how um, in the trial, they tried to actually make it sound like he has Asperger's. Oh. And that he has a form of autism that makes him irrational and, and things like that. And they really tried to, mm -hmm. right, they really tried to push that. The thing about the Igors real fast, um, because I think that's interesting that... That wasn't brought up at all, which I understand there's so much to bring up. You can't bring up everything and maybe not everything is mm -hmm. completely useful. So Douglas told Dwyer 
Before the disappearance of my sister-in-law, Bob had a series of Alaskan Malam Malamutes, which is like a husky. He had seven of them, and they all died mysteriously of different things within God. six months of owning them. All Ugh. of them named Igor. We don't know how they died and what happened to the bodies. In retrospect, I now believe he was practicing killing and disposing of his wife with those dogs. Oh, God. And what's interesting, she said, uh, how did, ha you know, how did that come? Because she's very sarcastic, you know, like, oh, did you just figure that out? How did it come to you in a dream? Mm -hmm. Or was it when he heard that Robert told Deborah Lee in those Pennsylvania prison tapes that he wanted to Igor Douglas? So, ah. you know, and, and granted, his brother could also be just saying shit to make his brother look but bad. Although on the he other doesn't hand, need to. He doesn't, he doesn't need, need to. to. And, and honestly, you can tell anything, he's scared of them. You can tell. Right. right. So if that is true, that's like, holy fuck. Wow. So what's funny, too, is when he um, when he got off of the um, he got acquitted for Morris Black mm -hmm. for that murder, he was on parole because he had um, he got for bail jumping and tampering with evidence. Mm -hmm. So he still got charged and had to do some time. And then he was on parole. He ran into the judge at the mall while he was breaking parole. He saw the judge and the judge is like, hey, how you doing? He's like, I'm surprised you're talking to me. She's like, well, you know, it's not personal, you know, like. And then she immediately like walked off and called like, "Hey, he just he's breaking parole. You've got to be." So he went me. back to, to to jail for a little bit. Now, quickly, I'll just go through. Um, I will say that if you are going to look into Robert Durst, to watch the Jinx, read he killed them all, and then watch all good things. And he killed them all is interesting because, like I said, it had some extra details in there that the series didn't say. Mm -hmm. And then plus you Sounds get her like perspective. It. Mm -hmm. and, and it's also interesting just to see her perspective and things that she's gone through. Mm -hmm. And again, I understand this is from her point of view, and I'm not saying that I completely believe 100%, but she was also, so when all, all good things was made and they have her in it and they make her look kind of bad. So when, because it was Jarecki, Jarecki did all good things. Right. So then when years later, he decided to do this documentary, he asked her to be part of it. And she's like, fuck you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why, you made me look bad. Why the hell would I trust you to be in your thing? Well, then he played for her because at that point he had that clip of, of the defense saying, oh yeah, we fabricated everything. We fabricated all the stuff about her. And she's like, fuck it. I don't give a shit. I'm going to be on this thing. Mm -hmm. So and she's like, and I saw that he was really trying to look at it evenly. Like he, mm -hmm. you know, he like maybe he wasn't hundred percent sure that that Durst had done it, but mm -hmm. he really wanted to know. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, he looked like he was going to be balanced. He looked like he wasn't, you know, that that I was a little nervous that he was kind of friendly with Durst, but you could tell he was keeping his eye on him. Like he was keeping mm -hmm. an open mind. And um, so that also says a lot to me that someone who felt so strongly against him would be on board with it mm -hmm. and not just because it pissed her off. You know what I mean? It's she still trusted him mm -hmm. and it panned out. Um, so in all good things, basically he, cause he even says in the documentary that he, he didn't think necessarily think that he was innocent, but he didn't necessarily think that he was guilty. Like he was re really was on the fence and he's like, I just want to give, I want to know more about it. I want to understand this. And you can definitely tell that before he did all the extra research, when you, okay, I, I happened upon all good things like earlier this year, maybe even last year, mm -hmm. no idea what it was based on. I just saw, well, this looks kind of creepy. You know, it's got uh, Kirsten Dunst and Ryan Gosling and, you know, they're like Chris Kirsten wig shows up and mm -hmm. um, 
I think it's Lily Rabe from American Horror Story. She's um she's a Susan character in it. So mm-hmm. it's got a lot of good people. Yeah. Um it's a good movie. And so I was like, well, the thing is, I was I remember watching it and even I watched it like twice more. It's just really slow. Yeah. And you keep waiting for something big to happen and nothing big is happening. You know what I mean? Everything's so subtle. I still think it's it's a good movie. If you now that I watched it, knowing who it was based on, I knew some of the details because I had watched the jinx at this point. It's um it's interesting because he definitely goes at it like the poor little rich boy. They show it's so that I do like so they do open they have it like a frame story. So it opens with him on trial as an older old man. Was your dad alive? Is your mom alive? No, my mom died a violent death, which it's it's almost like word for word what really happened yeah. in the trial. So right off the bat, you're like, okay, well, they are trying to keep it. And then you see someone dropping bags into water off a bridge. And so they kind of go back and forth from the trial. And then they'll show like this woman dumping bags in the water. And then we find, you know, we get to finally get to what you're like, what the fuck are these bags in the water? Um, they do show that he he owned a health food store and the right. movie is named all good things because that was the name of the health food store that he that he opened with Kathy. Right. In Vermont. And so it's really, and it's, I, it is so fortuitous that they named it all good things because we all know all good things come to an, come end. To an end. And for them though, it was all good things. It's all healthy. It's all good things. But then just how fucking fortuitous is that? Is that the business they opened together, she winds up missing. Mm-hmm. all good things so um they do have her wanting to go to med school um he leaves they sell the health food store and he goes into the family business and that was where i first had learned that he was making money he was collecting the money from you know the shady places that was his job um in the now in the movie her name is Catherine mccarthy and of course they just stayed completely away from the durst name and his name's like david marks or something right so it was interesting because everybody's names that were based on a real character was really close to what the real character's name mm-hmm. was, except for the Durse. Now, in this one, they he had proposed to her. They had bought this new house. And she's like, well, you know, wouldn't you want kids? And he does shut down. And you can tell that he just totally doesn't want to talk about it. And she's like, well, don't you want to even talk about it? And he's like, no. And she's like, well, is there something wrong with you? And he said, yes, there is. And he gets up and walks away. So later she winds up being pregnant and it comes out that she interpreted that to mean like he couldn't have kids, not that, you know, Mm -hmm. that maybe he felt there was something wrong with him that he shouldn't have kids. Mm -hmm. So, and then at that point, he's just like, don't ask us. They definitely make him a lot, a lot softer in the movie. Right. Um, And, you know, honestly, I mean, you look at Ryan Gosling, it's really hard. I mean, he's good at sometimes seeming like an ass, but for the most part, he's still Ryan Gosling. You know, and it's hard to be yeah, like, but in Drive, I mean, he was I've, sweet, but in Drive, you could see some, you know what I mean? You could see I've some I've actually badass. never seen that. But, oh, but my I'm God. talking about in this specific movie is, is it, right. it is it's he definitely to, does lend mm-hmm. that softer edge. So you can see why he's dangerous, but it's still like, I don't know. It's when he pulls her out. So in, in, in the movie, he pulls her out of the hair, out of the hair. He, he does. pulls her out of the party when she's mm-hmm. celebrating getting into med school. It wasn't at a Christmas party. Mm-hmm. But everything, and maybe that, maybe that is how it is. Maybe he didn't show emotion when he was doing it. But when, when he does it in the movie, everything is just very cold. And so maybe that is how it's supposed to be. It's just, I, I don't know. Anyway, they do have a mumbling to himself. They show her the neighbor balcony thing. 
So they do show that mm-hmm. where she goes out and crawls on the balcony and goes to the neighbor's house. She leaks information to show um, she leaks information about the company to like the FBI. Well, the FBI sees the name Durst and he's like, no, that's that's not our business. That's family business. And it gets back to his family, and that's when he's demoted. And basically, they disown him, and Robert beca- or Douglas becomes the heir instead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the movie, they he has this dog, and she goes to visit him, and she's like, "Where's the dog? Oh, he's at a kennel." But then she goes to take out the garbage, and she sees a bloody dog bandana and a shovel, uh. and that. And then they show her confronting him, and then basically that implies that's when he just got you know took care of her and so that was interesting that they threw that in there and then when i read in the book Mm. that he did have a dogs then i was like well shit that was interesting they did put that in the movie and they did you know try to throw that in there because at first i was like i didn't hear anything about any dogs did they just throw that in there because it's interesting but no apparently that was he really had dogs i'll have to watch it again because when i saw it i mean i knew it was on but it was years and years ago before all you know wow and then um, what's fun is the neighbor who plays the Morris Black character, he's actually Bookman from Seinfeld. So he's a library cop. That's right. And he kind of reminds me of, but he's a lot better looking, but still. Yes. What? Who's a lot Bookman's, better looking? Book, uh, the character that plays Bookman, that, that yeah. dude, is a yeah. lot better looking than the real Morris Black. Oh, I was like, I didn't understand anything that just happened. Yes, I gotcha. Um, so that you know, that was interesting to me. Well, I'm and, about to pull you out of your hair. Oh my god. <laughs> so that's and he's a cantankerous, grumpy old man, but they show it in the movie where he gets Morris to shoot Susan. And then hmm, after he shoots Susan, he th- he's thinking he's gonna that him and uh, Durst are going to buy this house together. And he knew who Durst was. Durst told him. Right. So he's starting like, so then he's, and then of course, um, Durst starts ghosting him. So then they do, in the movie, they show him come in. The dude's got the gun. They grapple. But then they show Durst actually bashing him in the head with a phone. And then you hear, see like him pick up the gun. You hear a gunshot. And it's juxtaposed with him at trial talking about it saying, what you know that they struggled and the gun went off and it was an accident hmm. so they kind of juxtaposed doing hmm. what th- that he probably did really kill him but that in trial he said it was self-defense uh, supposedly deb had written a manuscript that was like the circumstances around kate kathy's disappearance or they she goes by katie in the book sorry in the movie so that's that implies well he was killing her and then plus like she's calling him like i need money i need help and he's not answering her. And then she's like, I'm going to blow the lid. And this is so, supposed to be Susan in real and life. And this is supposed to be Susan in real okay. life. And so then that's why he would ask Morris to shoot her, which is, it's an interesting theory, but, and well, I'm sure that be by the because, time. Because it happened, because um, Susan Berman didn't die until 2001. And didn't this happen bef- um, after that? Or I mean, before that? You know, I'm not 100% sure that time. I'll look it up. But go that's ahead. an interesting, but that's what they threw in the movie. And I'm sure that by the time he got to the documentary, he's like, eh, maybe I was off on that one. Then they show him in a dress. They actually show him in a dress. And he's, so they do show all that. Sorry, that kind of j- jumped around on that one. And, and basically it just goes back and forth like that. And they reveal, well, and they finally, the movie basically posits that, he went to his dad. He had Katie in the trunk of his car. 
his dad goes out and sees her in the trunk. So it's implied that the family got rid of her together. Like the three of them probably got rid of her together. Oh. And, you know, so. Interesting. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's an interesting watch. And it's definitely, I get the idea of, let's see. Because the whole idea is a serial killer isn't there's something about them that they can still usually have some kind of life because so he's so he's a sociopath he's able to have a life while he's doing these things so then um you want to see how the hell was this woman married to him for nine years if he's this you know so i understand like okay let's show what the beginning of their marriage was like because everybody says the beginning of their marriage they did seem to be into each other it's just, it's so doughy-eyed, the way they show it in the movie. And you literally have, like, all the, the pretty music and the yes. eight-millimeter flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And, and then they show how it gets colder. And, and, and I understand that there could be a criticism of he tries too much to look sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Because they, they do say that, oh, he, his daddy made his mommy watch, watch him fall off the roof and, you know, that kind of thing. And that, but that's exactly why Durst went to Jiraki to do the documentary as because Mm -hmm. he saw, oh, he, maybe he could be a little on my side. Maybe he will let me tell my story. So of course he went to him because even though he did like point out things in there, like, oh, he probably did kill him and he probably did kill her. He was still showing that there was some kind of other side to him and that there's some kind of empathy that you can have for him doing these things or there, you know, so I think it's just, um, it's all interesting in context with each other. Like I said, watching All Good Things as its own thing is fine. And the thing is, though, um, they do make Kathy's character seem weak when mm-hmm. everything that we know about her, she was feisty. She was, she the was opposite. Right. Yeah. So that's that's one thing is she did seem too meek in the movie. They did make Susan a little too one-dimensional. They did make the brother character seem kind of like a jackass a little bit. And maybe not a jackass, but he seemed a little, he seemed kind of weaker too yeah they just seem kind of weaker so those are my like kind of complaints about it but but yeah i would say definitely read he killed them all what i love is at the end of the book she goes through every episode and says her thoughts on on the big big points so she actually has each episode what her thoughts were on huh. on this stuff so so it's just interesting to see her side of things and everything yeah and i do think he killed them all yes i do too and I was just looking up, I was listening, but I was also looking up yeah. to see that I see Susan Berman um, <clears throat> died December 23rd of 2000. And it's, I've seen different things here of, that he was, it was 2001 that he was died. Maybe it's because when they found his body, but it's 2000 and 2001. Mm. And it was a September. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's when he was, when he testified. But anyway, so it yeah. looks like, he could have i mean depending on which date you go with he could i mean he could have possibly if you want to explore that in your mind is you know he could have been used by bobby to do it but mm-hmm. i don't know that's yeah it seems kind of reaching but i don't know it's... yeah well as usual we we got into a lot and wow i just it's a very complex i mean he's just finally caught he's finally put away but Going back to the original premise, his wife, Kathy, still the family wants closure. They want to know what happened. So they're hoping all this is an impetus to get them back. And well, I mean, her poor family. Right. And and to make it 
clear, he did get, he was just charged with uh, the murder of Susan. Mm -hmm. I was looking shit up. Oh, real fast. I saw in a couple articles that they claim that they changed the order of how he whispered the things in the mic, the things that he said. But my argument is I saw what they say that the original was. Mm -hmm. It doesn't change shit. He still said he killed them all. Right. You know, it really doesn't. I don't see the big difference between if they moved things around or not. He said those things. And, and what I saw in the context of what they say really happened, I don't think it really changes things a whole lot. Yeah. But yeah, so he so he is in jail for the Susan Berman thing. And I think that he did. He was convicted in the disappearance of his wife, but we still have no idea where she is. And he's mm -hmm. 70 fucking eight. And he has he um, looks like cancer. Skeletor. God, yes. He has, uh, yeah, he has cancer. And he also has a hydrocephal hydrocephalic where he's got liquid on the brain so he has a, sh a shut right, hydro head hydrocephaly i think yes yeah so and he's 78 and he's made it this long like when she wrote the book in like mm -hmm. 2015 or so she's like i don't think he's long for this world but he's mm -hmm. still here oh, in there unbelievable so, so we'll see uh, it'll be interesting if he ever divulges what happened with, with kathy i really hope he does so the I family can it. get closure but yeah if he's gone this fucking long why would he, you know, it would be amazing he obviously has no motivation. If, he, if he did, but my God. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So, well, I think that's probably a good stopping place. Yeah, thanks so much. I know that uh, for the listeners here, it's not been the most cohesive. Uh, obviously, it wasn't going by an agenda, but I think together we got through it and um, hopefully it was somewhat enjoyable. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is like in the jinx that they don't get, they don't tell it in chronological order. Yeah. So, you know, um, so you kind of learn things along the way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Thank you for entering the lab. And Crime Keeper. If you enjoy the experience and experiments of Murder Lab, go to Facebook, Instagram, and MurderLabMedia.com for updates. Share with your friends, those you created in a lab or not, as long as they can subscribe and listen, we'll take it. Murder Lab is available on Google Play and iTunes. The RSS feed is on MurderLabMedia.com for you to plug into your podcast app. We can always use more lab rats. Cadaver lever, cadaver letter, cadaver lever. <laughs>